oil prices rose to almost 95 US dollars a barrel overnight, and Australia's economy is showing early signs of perking up ahead of minutes today from the RBA. That's coming up in our five things in five minutes. And then in our bonus deep dive interview, Daniel Hines looks at the IEA's prediction that oil demand will be falling by 2030. That allure of peak oil demand is is probably something which you know gets pushed further and further out as as we talk about it more often. And I suspect it'll be within you know our lifetimes. But first, in five and five with ANZ, Brent oil prices rose again overnight to almost ninety five US dollars a barrel on concerns that Saudi Arabia and Russia will restrict their supply and hopes that demand from China might be stronger. Prices have risen more than 20 US dollars a barrel since June. That's when the Saudis and the Russians surprised markets by extending their production cuts through to the end of 2024. And that was despite a rally over 90 US dollars a barrel. ANZ senior commodity strategist Daniel Hines has mapped out the global supply-demand imbalance for the December and March quarters. We see a pretty sizable deficit forming um, in the order of over 2 million barrels a day, which, you know, is up there with some of the largest deficits we've seen in the market in recent times. Saudi Arabia is likely to maintain this this bias towards a a tight market um, until, I suppose, the uncertainties around the global economy and uh, demand in particular in, in countries like China, become a little bit uh, clearer. Number two, Australia's economy is showing some early signs of a few green shoots poking through. ANZ's Head of Australian Economics, Adam Boyton, points to forward orders in business surveys lifting since May, higher job ads in the last couple of months, and a stabilisation of consumer expectations about unemployment. Now, it's not that any one of these indicators is is going to be perfect, but what we find when we put them together is they tend to give us a bit of a steer on turning points or inflection points. They're still telling me the unemployment rate will drift higher over the next year or so, but only ever so slightly. And they're just starting to improve. So look, don't want to get too excited about that yet. But I do think Maybe it's telling us that some of the more downbeat views on the Australian economy, perhaps a, a little more upbeat or a little more positive than that. Number three, Adam will also be watching the minutes from this month's RBA meeting. They're due out later today. And he's curious about whether the RBA considered a hike this month, as they did last month and the month before that. It'll be interesting to see, I think, actually, how much discussion was there around putting interest rates up in September. We suspect not a lot, and and that would fit with, I guess, the bank having become increasingly comfortable with the current cash rate setting and that the economy appears on track for a soft landing with moderating inflation. Number four, Adam will also take a closer look at the RBA's comments on just how sticky Australia's services inflation is and how much of an easing there is going on in the labour market. It'll be interesting to see if there was any discussion about the stickiness of non-tradables or services inflation. We thought that the post-meeting statement might have alluded to that a little more. Uh, In the end, it didn't. So I'll be looking to see uh, if there's any residual concern at the bank about the stickiness of services inflation. Number five, China's yuan, or the CNH, is well supported at the moment by the People's Bank of China, the PBOC. Signs of a warming economy in China on Friday are also helping. Here's ANZ's head of FX research, Marja Zaman. 
PBOC, they do have the experience to manage severe currency weakness, uh, having done so following the 2015 devaluation and when the yuan weakened during the Trump trade wars. So there are many other measures they can continue to use in the event that the yuan weakens further. The measures that PBOC has been using will continue to be supportive in preventing it from touching new lows. Roger Bing's a man there. And now it's time for the bonus deep dive interview. My colleague Catherine Dyer asked Daniel Hines about the International Energy Agency's view last week that demand for fossil fuels will go into permanent decline before 2030. Yeah, look, we're, we're probably not in that camp just yet, uh, although I think uh, peak oil demand won't occur too far past that point. You know, certainly we're seeing the, the initial impacts of the energy transition uh, occur particularly in, in China, um, you know, the, the, the largest EV market in the world is certainly starting to crimp growth in, um, in gasoline demand. I suppose the real issue will be around oil's use in the broader economy. And it, it goes a little bit unnoticed, uh, I suppose, the, the, the use outside of its uh, main transportation in plastics in, in particular. And so those, those things are still going to persist. And so I think, you know, that allure of peak oil demand is, is probably something which gets pushed further and further out as, as we talk about it more often. And I suspect it'll be within, you know, our lifetimes. So historically, new energy sources have always stacked on top of earlier ones with any efficiency gains translating into demand growth. So what is the critical mechanism here that would change that story? Well, I suppose this is a unique um, situation in in um, in the world of, of energy. Uh, we've got a energy transition which is being basically managed, you know, by by governments um, in the goal of reducing emissions. It's it's government policy which is really driving that and raising the cost of using those fuels is is the main tool that they're doing that. So. Energy efficiency gains ultimately reduce the cost of producing a you know a product um, such as oil or coal, but that will then be slapped with you know that cost of of carbon, which we're seeing through the use of carbon markets uh, globally um, at the moment. Um, and I think that will potentially uh, reduce its demand, despite I suppose those efficiency gains, which can sometimes increase demand, as as you highlighted. But you know, there's a lot of water to flow under the bridge. Um, a lot of um, technology change going on. You know, maybe maybe those um, efficiency gains result in that peak demand point coming later than we expected. Uh, but as I said, I do uh, feel like you know those uh, policy measures uh, will ultimately reduce demand. Do you think we're likely to see stranded assets in oil and gas, or is the timeline kind of predictive enough to be able to manage that? No, I think that's a, a real risk, and and certainly it's a concern that um, a lot of um, oil and gas producers that we talk to, uh, you know, are thinking about right now. I mean, when you're looking at a at a major oil and gas project, you need to know essentially if the buyer is going to be there in twenty or thirty years' time. You know, the lifetime of that of that project, and if there's any uncertainty about whether demand will be there, then, you know, there's going to be a reluctance to invest, you know, the billions and billions of dollars that is required to, to bring these assets online. So, yeah, it is certainly um, an issue which is just on the on the precipice of, of being a major, major hurdle. It won't be too long before 
it really starts to have an impact. And that's, I suppose, when that energy transition will go through a very messy period. It's going to create uh, a lot of dislocations within the market. Um, So that's something I suppose we have to be prepared for. Daniel Hines there talking with Catherine Dyer. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was 5 and 5 with ANZ for Tuesday, September the 19th. Catch you tomorrow with all the detail from the RBA's minutes and previews of rates decisions by the Fed and central banks in the Philippines and Indonesia. This podcast contains general information only, not investment advice. You should obtain advice for your personal circumstances before making any investment decisions. Please view the podcast disclaimer available via your media player or email.